epistle for the third Sunday in Advent is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel in St. John, the first chapter. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing, if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophets? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the gospel of the Lord's. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You may be seated. C.S. Lewis wrote a brilliant piece of satire comparing Xmas, E-X, meaning without, to Christmas. And in this piece of satire, he describes a land just like his own Great Britain, that had all the trappings of Christmas. All the houses were decorated. Everyone had a tree. All the stores had all the kinds of things that said Merry Christmas. Everyone was giving presents, singing songs, celebrating the season. But Christ was nowhere to be found. Does that sound at all familiar to perhaps what we see in our own day and age? There is a real danger of having Christmas without Christ, or having 
Christmas with a false Christ. And John the Baptist here this evening gives us a clear confession that'll help us make sure that we have Christmas with the true Christ. The setting's kind of interesting here. The Jews send some people down to John to kind of find out who he thinks he is. So the first question out of their mouth is, who are you? We got to take a report back. We need to find out why you're doing what you're doing. Who do you think you are? Would be a good way to translate that. Now think about this. We know from elsewhere in the Gospels that the people loved John the Baptist. In some places it says all of Judea was going out to him to be baptized by him. He was a popular guy. Imagine if he said, I'm him. I'm the Christ. I'm the one you've been waiting for. People would have followed him. They would have did everything he said to do. Who knows what kind of power and authority he could have had for a little while over the Jewish people. But that's not what he did. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed. I am not the Christ. It's a fascinating confession. What we heard a few verses before that is, he's not the light, but he is one who will bear witness and point others to the light. He knew what his role was. So they press him, are you the prophet? The one Moses told us would come in Deuteronomy 18. Are you him? Are you Elijah? And to both he says, no. And that confuses us a little bit because Jesus says, if you believe it, John is Elijah. So what do we do with that? Well, they didn't know what they were asking. They thought perhaps he was Elijah reincarnate. Elijah brought back to life. Since they don't know what they're saying, they don't know what they're asking, John tells them, no, not the Christ, not the prophet, not Elijah. So they press him further. Who in the world are you then? We have to give an answer. I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. He says, I'm not the Christ. I'm not your savior. I am not the prophet. I am not him. But I am the one who comes and tells you to get ready for him because he's here he's coming the very last verse we heard on the next day it says as jesus is coming towards him he points at him and says behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world that's him that's the one you're looking for he's the christ it's also interesting because he ends this er, Section two with this, I am not unworthy to untie even the strap of his sandal. You have to remember, like, touching feet and washing feet in that day and age was considered the slave's job. 
He says, I'm not even good enough to be the slave who would even untie his sandals. He understands two things that are really important before we go on. He understands his own unworthiness, his own sin, but he understands Jesus' worthiness and what Jesus came to do for even someone like him who's not even worthy to bow down and untie those sandals from those dirty feet. So in light of John's confession, I want to consider three problems that confront us at this time of the year. The first problem is not seeking Christ at all. And I don't want us to immediately think of those out there. Yeah, there's plenty of people out there not seeking Christ, but what about amongst Christians? It's interesting that in this time of the year, when Jesus came to give us him very, his very self, to give us his word and his holy sacraments, that so many Christians neglect word and sacrament this time of year. Because they're too busy with Christmas. Think about that. They're too busy with Christmas to come to the place where it gives you what Jesus came to earth to give you. I was thinking, because I always find this ironic every year, a lot of the same people that make a really big deal, not all, but a lot of the people that make a really big deal that the cashier didn't say Merry Christmas are nowhere to be found during Christmas Eve and Christmas services. As if that's the more important thing, that they say these words. This is what C.S. Lewis is mocking. Having a Christmas without Christ. Going through the motions without Christ at all. The second problem is seeking the wrong Christ. Or celebrating Christmas with the wrong Jesus. Concordia Publishing House put out a great book several years ago by Pastor Matthew Richard. Will the real Jesus please stand up? And he goes through 12, it's kind of an arbitrary number, but he goes through 12 false Christs that are in our culture. And he could have done a whole lot more, but these are just ones he had encountered that he wanted to use as examples. So let's consider some examples of our own this evening. Right? There are those who want the Jesus, the Christ, who's just a good teacher, a good man. A nice person, but not very God of very gods, not the Savior of the world. There are those that want Jesus as a therapist, the one they can tell all their problems and he'll just pat them on the back and say, they're there, they're there, it'll all be okay. There are those that want Jesus just to be one option among many, one God among many gods. They'll take him, but they want to take him with all kinds of other idols and gods as well. Some people just want the mascot or cheerleader Jesus. The one that just kind of stands on the sidelines, and no matter what you do, how good or how bad, he's just there to cheer you on. Go team, go. Or there's a whole lot of Christians who are looking for a Jesus who's just like that genie in the bottle that just gives you whatever your heart desires, whatever you wish. They want that Jesus. On and on we could go. The point is, there is a real danger for all of us to hear and believe what we want 
what makes us feel good, rather than confessing and seeking the real Christ. Sometimes we'd rather just have a Jesus that kind of just leaves us the way we are, leaves us alone, and lets us do our thing. And the problem is, the lies of the world, the devil, and even our own sinful flesh, they crave a false Jesus. Right? These things come to us and encourage us to seek after a fake Jesus. One who cannot save us. Our heart is a little idol factory that just day after day can spit out one version of Jesus or another that's not the very Son of God. The third problem that we can face is wanting the real Jesus, but wanting him on our own terms and conditions. Right? We want to be able to have the real Jesus, but we want to have him in our own way. Sure, the Bible says, I shouldn't do this and that this thing is sinful or wrong or I have to believe this, but I want to have Jesus without those things. I want to have him on my terms. All of these things are problems that John the Baptist comes along and his confession is a rebuke to us. Interestingly enough, though, I think we take John because of that in the wrong way sometimes. Right? Because John does come preaching law, because he does come to prepare the way and say, repent of these false views of Jesus. Repent of trying to have Jesus on your own terms. We kind of think he's like the bad cop in the movie. The one that comes along and roughs you up and is really mean to you. But why? Why does he call you to repentance? Why does he come across as so harsh? It's because he wants you to have the real Jesus. That's his biggest concern. He wants to point you to Christ. That's his whole thing. He's a witness. He's bearing testimony. He's bearing witness to the only one that can save any of us. He knows that he cannot save himself or others. So he says, I am not the Christ. That's not me. And think about what his life shows then after that moment. About how dear that confession of who he is and who Christ is, what it really means to him. John will end up in prison. John will end up beheaded with his head on a platter. Rather than make a false confession, rather than deny the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so in so many paintings of John the Baptist, he's often got his finger pointing, and somewhere in the painting he's pointing to Jesus, whether Jesus is portrayed as a lamb or it's actually a man who is Jesus there in the painting, whatever it is, he's pointing. So let us look where John points us. Let us look to the one who, as we confess, is very God of very gods. The one who is begotten, not made. The one who came into the flesh for us and our salvation. The very Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And at Christmas, in particular, we think of him as a baby lying in a manger. And one of the most beautiful things ever written about that moment is in your hymnal, O Jesus Christ, thy manger is. 
And in that beautiful hymn, Gerhardt says, O Jesus Christ, thy manger is, my paradise at which my soul reclineth. Think about that. That manger where that baby is, is paradise for us, where our very souls recline, where we worship, where we feed. Because in that manger was the one who created us, the one who redeemed us, the only one that can save us, the Christ. So too, let us confess like John our own unworthiness. Let us acknowledge our sin and that we're not worthy even to touch the straps of Jesus' sandals. Let us repent of our sins. See them for what they are. There's a great prayer that goes with the Lord's Supper before receiving it. And it's just, it's a take on something that's said in the Gospels. It basically goes, Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not worthy for you to come under the roof of my mouth. It's a profound, profound prayer. And yet, what does he do? He comes. We're not worthy, and yet, he makes us worthy. So let us then confess Christ's worthiness. Let us confess him, the Christ, that he is the Messiah, he is the prophet, he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that it's his birth for us, even his circumcision for us, which is celebrated in a few weeks, his life for us, his death for us, his resurrection for us. Let us confess his worthiness and those things for us. Let us confess and not deny, but confess that we are not the Christ. That we cannot save anyone else, let alone ourselves. And let us find great joy and freedom that he is the Christ. The thing is, Christmas comes along and we know, we know in our heart of hearts how weak, how fickle they are. How often we're tempted to deny our Lord day in and day out. We know how easily we're distracted from making the true confession of the true Christ. But Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith. Who by his spirit through his holy gospel is even here tonight to help you make the good confession. To confess rightly about yourself and confess rightly about him. So with your mouth and your life, he will keep you steadfast in the one true faith. So the book of Hebrews puts it this way. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. This is why Paul can say in our epistle reading, rejoice always. Rejoice always. How? Why? Because Jesus is the Christ. Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when we make that confession, we can rejoice no matter what. Amen. The peace of God passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.